Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Well, hello. Welcome to Podcast 138. I'm Dan Moylan. I have with me, usual crowd, Michael Normanton. Hello. Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Our summer special is now sold out. So don't try and buy it because you will only be disappointed. However, look forward to the digital version being released. That should be out any day now. In the meantime, we have subscriptions on sale for the forthcoming season via thesquareball.net. Soon we will have games to talk about here, boys, which is very exciting. Thank Christ. I need some football matches. But first of all, we're going to talk transfers because now it's all... Uh, well, the machine has ground into gear. Things are happening and uh, we've And we got- wish it hadn't. <laughs> this is why I need football matches. I remember years ago, I, I wrote a thing that proposed that football should become a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week sport to leave no time whatsoever for transfers. You have to build up a squad of like... 100 players or even then because if they're not if they don't start a match then there'd be rumours would start but just so that they're always on a pitch at all times and then none of this is a problem <laughs> sounds very Bielsa he would you definitely go for it I think same 11 day after day <laughs> non-stop uh, well let's start off this section talking about transfers nice way to frame it Pete is in London he's been in touch and wants to know this are we still a sell-to-buy football club? I've been listening through some of the old podcasts and Moscow's making um, a great point when GFH come in. Is there any point in them coming in if we can't spend any money? Yes, we've signed Costa, but we've also sold Clark. It looks like we're going to sell Janssen. That's the best part of 13 million if uh, my maths is better than his is. That sort of covers the cost of Costa. Are we going to replace him or are we essentially just going through the motions again? Nothing's really changed. It's just there's more money in football these days. I was with him on the uh, Moscow makes a great point part, but then the crack about maths, I just zoned out. The man's bang wrong. Don't even care what he was saying. How do we feel about it then? Because Costa's a great signing and I'm sure we'll deal with that in depth shortly. But Janssen's going out the other way. We've now lost Clark. Are we sell to buy? I mean, it's been very unfair on GFH there because you remember he's clearly forgetting Lukey Million and um, Scott Jimmy, Wooten, Scott Wooten, Jimmy Kebby, mm-hmm. and the other guy Cameron Stewart, who we didn't buy in the end, but we said we would. Then just sort of forgot about that bit until it got to court. Paid in the end. Yeah, I think everyone is though at this level. That's the problem. It's a sell to buy league, isn't it? Certainly is now, isn't it? Now the new FFP and financial sustainability models are all in place. It's it's hard to see another way 
to make it work. And you made a very good point actually last week, Moscow. Sorry to uh, blow smoke up your ass again. But I'm just sit and listen to this all night. But it's the first time I'd heard somebody say it, and I thought, actually, do you know what? He's right that there's a certain amount of sympathy for Derby and Villa because if they've got money to put into their clubs, whilst we might, might not want it from a competition point of view, if they've got the money to do it, why make it so difficult that they've got to cheat and do the stadium thing? Why not just level the playing field? Yeah, and that's what we're not able to do. And it, the GFH thing is still relevant because one of the reasons why Elland Road is owned by a, a company within Radwitzani's ACER structure is to keep it out of the clutches of GFH. They still have this weird charge over the club where uh, they could conceivably take assets if certain things happen. So we can't do the selling it to ourselves thing that other clubs can. And there is physically no other way of investing the sort of 50 million, 60 million that Derby and Aston Villa spent on their teams and then had to crowbar in through the rules. We just, there is not physically a way of doing it short of signing like a 50 million pound sponsorship with, I don't know, Yarbars, for example, who's delicious. Uh, I'm not going there again. Particularly there's no free samples arrived. Yeah. And until they've actually put the money on in, in and we can see their name on the shirts and we've got Neymar playing for us, although I'm not sure he'd be a good signing now. There's just no other way of putting money in apart from you make as much as you can off commercial revenue and lead to the top of the division for that. You make as much as you can from match day revenue and tickets are expensive enough and we're top of the league for that. You make as much as you can from television and that's where the disparity appears because the parachute payments of the club have got massive. And then the only other way you can actually physically raise money once you've maxed those out is to sell players. So if we want to buy new ones, we've got to sell old ones. And that's, I think the, uh, we'll talk about it in a bit, but it seems like Janssen is in a slightly different category, but we've done quite well with the old Jack Clark thing because we've got 10 million quid and kept the player. It feels at least anyway like the gambling on it this time. It has to be this time. Otherwise, I think this will be curtains for Radrazani. I think he'll go personally if we don't do it this time. But uh, on to the positive side of things, which is Helder Costa, or to give him his full name. Does somebody want to have a go at this? How's your Portuguese? Helder Wondersuzde Azvedo e Costa. It's sort of vaguely Spanish with Russian accent, isn't it, Portuguese? Yeah, Mourinho always sounded slightly angry Russian, didn't he, mm. when he was talking? I'm actually talking about the finances. This has been quite a cute deal, the way that they've structured it, that it's a believed £2 million loan fee for this season. And then we complete the signing at the start of next season. But then in terms of FFP, because we're giving him a four-year contract, the fee is split up over the four years, I believe, isn't it? It's annoying that we have to work all this shit out, isn't it? Fuck's sake, Sean Harvey. Like, there's got to be an easy way of, of living. Um, but yes, it seems quite wise. It kicks us into different... It's a rolling three-year period that calculations under FFP are done. So this gets us into the next rolling three years when the headroom that we have available to spend is better. So we can actually, we may not be able to afford a £30 million signing now, but we can afford it at the end of the season and by spreading it out this way. So it works. However it does, it works. Victor Orta said we have to be creative and come up with solutions. And um, we've done one and we've got a really, really good player. How do you feel about Costa, Michael? I know we kind of uh, opened the door to this last week, but he's ours now and will be ours next summer. And he looks good. He looks very good. And he's going to play, you would think, every game that he's fit for anyway, because that's Bielsa's way. Whereas he didn't seem that set on any of his wingers last year. He kind of played Harrison because there was not anyone else available. Played Alioski, but all over the pitch. Whereas it's not, it'd be nice to have an actual first choice winger this year. Who do you see as the winger starters? I think it'd be him and Harrison, probably. And where does Alioski fit into this? Probably on the bench. I don't know. He loves Alioski though. Unless he bites Harrison in pre-season and he has to go and get some jabs. And that's his opportunity. Six months in quarantine. I mean, can Alioski play centre-back? It's worth a go. 
It's possible. Anything's possible. Or he'd put Phillips into centre back and put Alioski defensive mid charging around, buzzing about, <laughs> annoying people. Who knows? I mean, this time last season, I was watching uh, Ronaldo Vieira play centre half for Leeds at York. So I don't see why not. Let's not write off anything because he's good in the air as well. Have we just stumbled upon some sort of tactical genius by accident? He's pacey. You can, because that's what you're up against with a lot of strikers in this division. Now, Steve Morrison's gone to Shrewsbury and that's one less shithouse to deal with. Although they've replaced him with Matthew Smith. So I'm not sure how much pace you need to deal with him. We may well need him at centre half because just as we are recording this very second Pontus Janssen confirmed having gone to Brentford. He doesn't really look that thrilled in the photo. <laughs> was the known to show off to at the picture? <laughs> Net behave yourself. Five and a half million quid plus add-ons reported. Doesn't seem to be doing a fist bump yet, as far as I can tell. I'm sad about this. I'm sad about it. And I don't like how he's going to be painted afterwards because, you know, dressing rooms have difficult characters, but he's going to be painted as a bad egg now, isn't he? No, I'm, I'm weighing, in, weighing in straight away. He's a prick. I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> it's just a shame we don't have any other defenders. I've been trying to remember, um, because it, it does seem unpopularity with Bielsa for a start is a is a prime candidate from this. What was the story? Was it something that somebody told us on the down low? I don't want to give something away, but I'm sure there was a story about Kyle Bartley in a shoe shop um, in size, I think it was, being asked, oh, what, you, what's going on with you and uh, Pontus Janssen? Have you fallen out? And his response was, fuck Pontus Janssen. And that was in his first season with the club. And since then, there's always been kind of this this roller coaster, which I've actually enjoyed. I've loved having a over-emotional, volatile, very easy to read what he's thinking character at centre-half. Um, I've sometimes described him as a little bit like you'd expect a Sami Saiz or a, a flamboyant playmaker where you see all the emotions and the um, they play with the, the heart on the sleeve. So to have a centre-half who shows all that was quite exciting. But then there does come a point where you can imagine it being better not to have that because... There has been no shortage of this. I'm thinking again of like running through the list of them. You remember when there was a whole business of he wasn't in the team and he did a warm down after a match and wouldn't uh, like do his fist pump at the South Stand, even though they were all going, go on, partners. And he just ignored everybody and skulked off. So there's always been this kind of thing humming along with him where you're like, is this going to blow up brilliantly? The upside was that promotion with Pontus Janssen would probably be, we talked about Berardi going around knocking on everybody's doors and yelling. Um, around the city of Leeds. I think you probably hear Janssen yelling from the top of the tower next to the Ultra Evening Post building. So it's a shame that we'll miss that, but the upside might be that we don't have the sulky monster anymore. Mm. Mixed feelings about it. He's a very good defender, evidently, and the stats bear it out, don't they? And you can just see with your own eyes. I think we half expected he would leave this summer, but not like this. The way he's gone is sort of disappointing because I think I was thinking maybe three times that fee... Definitely to a Premier League club. But to go to Brentford is such a shit way to go. I almost feel sorry for him. You can see it in his eyes on the signing photograph. There was a rumour, wasn't there, if you're to believe it, that his wife was happy to be in London. So he's like, oh, I'll just jump at the chance to go to London and I guess you see where it gets him. Brentford, though. Well, you've got to ask yourselves as well, because there's, a, there's an aspect of, I think sometimes we bump up because we see them play all the time. We bump up our own players, whoever they are, not just Pontus Janssen from start to finish in the 11. If Pontus Janssen is really better than five and a half million to Brentford, then where is the club that's going to come in and just go, do you want six for him? Because if, if he's been on the track of Premier League clubs and clubs across Europe, Fulham is supposed to be one that we're interested in earlier in the season. They've got parachute payment money. Why haven't they come along and just gone like, oh, you're selling him for five and a half? 
we'll, we'll give you six and just get something going like that. Why, why has there been no, nobody else seems to want him. Yeah, there, I mean, there are bargains in the market and this on the face of it does seem to be one, but it's like when we first got Saez and we were like, God, this guy's incredible. Why is he three and a half million quid? And then, you know, a year later, it's like, oh, that's why he's spitting at people and falling out and sulking and wants to go home. It's like, hmm. I mean, you talk about the emotional creatures there, Moscow, and you get the sense more so this summer than ever that Bielsa really wants the robots. He wants the people who will be the cogs in the machine and um, not these disruptive influences. Whether he was genuinely disruptive enough that you couldn't manage it, we'll never know, I guess, will we? That's always going to be lurking inside the corridors at Ellen Road is that particular bit of information. But it just it feels sad to lose a talented defender, whether he is a bit difficult or not. Well, I mean, Bielsa's had him for a year. So he's uh, he's had a, a chance to to see what he's like. And it seems like there's a side to this where I kind of wish we were back in the old days. I sound like a right old, old bastard when I say stuff like this. But back when you only got a newspaper once a day and that's when you found out what was happening because there's a, there's a story, there's a version of this that happens in the pre-social media and forums era where Marcelo Bielsa at the end of the season has looked at the squad and he's decided he doesn't want to play Pontus Janssen and his team anymore. So the club have put him on the transfer list and told him and his agent and said, you can find another club and they've sold him. And that's something that happens and has happened throughout football history. The manager, you employ him to decide who he wants in the team. And if he says he doesn't want that play, you say, all right, we'll, we'll sell him. Instead, you get this hourly, half hourly thing that was going on like the end of last week where there was the circle from the Wacko Forum where people from there were emailing journalists in Sweden to say, have you heard anything about Pontus Janssen? And they hadn't. So they were putting a story on their website saying, so we're hearing something's up with Pontus Janssen in England. And then websites in England were seeing that on Swedish websites and saying, well, reports in Sweden now say that this is, there's a problem with Pontus Janssen. And people were taking that story and going back to the same thread on Wacko and saying, it's now being reported in Sweden. So it's got to be true. And it all come from that. So this, this massive hysteria broke up when, if you actually break it down to what has happened, the managers decided he wants some different defenders. So they've sold him because he's not going to play. He just put him on the transfer list. And that's how it used to be. Just reading the paper, oh, so-and-so's transfer listed. Then the next week, well, they've signed for another club. Yeah, And, and you'd have an opinion on whether that's a good sale or not, but you wouldn't have this constant barrage of demanding to know what's going on. The new cycle. Yeah. It's relentless and it's tiring. I mean, um, to be fair, we're part of it as well. You know, like with we're only on once a week. Twitter, no, but I mean, like Twitter, feeding the beast, isn't it? And I was, trying, I was thinking, I kind of, I contradicted myself as I was thinking about this as I walked down here because I do remember teletext and like refreshing page three hundred two every few minutes. Like your mum would be trying to watch something. It's like, no, I need to see if Leeds have signed this player, especially in summer. So I'm not immune to it, but I think it does help to sometimes just step back and just say, like, what's actually happened here. Manager's made a decision, player has been sold. Yeah, player didn't particularly like it, so I think has been back-channeling his displeasure, uh, maybe some via fans, journalists, his brother, whoever it is, which is his prerogative. I don't think we yeah. necessarily ever go. He's just, he's obviously unhappy that he's been shown the door, but that's life. I mean, I hate to bring uh, Alex Ferguson into this, but he did it with his players. He, he destroyed those teams at Man United and rebuilt them, didn't he? Like um, Roy Keane, Yap Stam, players like that, shown the door. So do we actually have a problem with Bielsa getting rid of him, or do we need to judge this in August? I, I do because we don't have any other centre-backs and he didn't seem worried about centre-backs last year. And so we're basically left with Liam Cooper who was had a decent season last year with some notable errors. 
but generally was all right. But we basically wanted someone who's better than Liam Cooper for the whole time Liam Cooper has been here. And now we only have Liam Cooper, which I think is a problem. In Bielsa's world, I think he just, he cares more about attackers. Because if you look at the the player that he's brought in, Ben White, all his abilities seem to be on the ball and interceptions rather than tackles. And there's almost, there's a, there's a way that modern defending, I don't know if it's necessarily filtered down to championship because you do have the likes of um, whoever will be playing up front for Millwall who are just big shithouses around. But there's that way of defending that is now is just like you intercept and pass and it's it's more about your ability on the ball. And that's why Bielsa has always moved midfielders into defence. So we think there could be, it could conceivably be that our starting centre-backs next season are Liam Cooper and Galvin Phillips. And that's what he wants. Um, and you have Forshaw dropping into former three. And it's more about how quickly we can go and get the ball forward. And if Matthew Smith manages to get a hat-trick against us, it's up to Costa, who we've signed for big money, Harrison, who he trusts implicitly, and Pat Bamford, who refuses to play for Ireland, um, <laughs> to score four at the other end. And it, it could be that. And it is that principle of dominate possession and actually take your chances, which we know is the thing that cost us last year. If the other team don't have the ball, it doesn't matter who our defenders are. And this is trying to put yourself in Bielsa's headset. And it's it's risky, but I think the moment Bielsa turned up, there was this thought of, I mean, there is a good reason why he's been called El Loco for 30 years and we will find this out at some point. And I think we're, we may be getting it where and you you have to, I don't really go for that in whoever we trust and blind faith. And I, th- but I think Bielsa comes as near to it just because of his reputation compared to our level. But you just have to look at a decision like this and go, well, we hired him to do crazy shit like this and trust that because he is the original crazy shit master, um, <laughs> that it will work like a dream. And we don't know that we're not going to go out, sign this brilliant gem from Spain who's three million quid and put him in because... There's a chance of that as well. There's also a chance we might end up getting another auto dod, but works both ways, doesn't it, I guess? Maybe Vernon and Eater can fill the gap. Don't be so cynical. Let's move on to other stuff now then. Roof, does that feel right to you? It worries me, because again, the fee is not particularly big if the £5 million is vaguely true, which I've heard, but you know. Last year of his contract though, isn't it? The other thing with Roof is, is if we if we are going for the shit or bust approach and we go, right, we'll have five million now up front for roof, which can pay for one year of Dwight Gale. And we'll see if that gets us up, which is a bit of a gamble, but there is a certain amount of merit in it, I suppose. Cause the idea is you go up and then next year doesn't matter that you haven't got roof. Cause he was probably not going to be good enough anyway. What about Calvin as well? This one feels a little bit unsettling. Mind you, everything feels unsettling at this time of year, doesn't it? But it'd be nice to have him sign that contract. Calvin must stay. He'll be the one that when he does leave, things will go into meltdown, I think, because it'll be for, well, you would hope for a lot of money, but it's more what it would represent, I think. He was the he was the obvious focal point of our side last year. He's a homegrown player. You would think he would be willing to stay if we would pay him enough. There's talks that the contract offer he has on the table isn't as good as other people are earning at the moment. People like Kassir, I guess, who are dog shit, <laughs> which would upset you somewhat. So I think he will be the one that will that will tip people over. We do have to keep some players. Yeah. And and he and we also, we have to keep the, you can kind of, like the history I was talking about with Pontus Janssen, you can kind of say, yeah, you can see why it might be difficult and why there may be a, an improvement to the collective if you get rid of that one individual. But then also, I can't see how we would be improved by 
letting Calvin Phillips go. I was going to say, we started last season without Pontus and we were winning games all the time and we did look good without him in the side on occasions. We never looked as good with Calvin Phillips not in the team. I don't think he was, he made everything tick. Apart from the odd, the, I think it was the Swansea game, he got taken off because it was just going wrong for him. Yeah, there were the two games at the start of the season, Swansea and Birmingham, where he got taken off in both in the first half, but it was just part of like his development of getting used to a, a new position. And he got, there was the game, was it uh, Swansea at home or Sheffield Wednesday at home, where he was absolutely magnificent from start to finish and there started to be more of those performances. And if, um, if Aston Villa are around and, trying to get him at 20 million but won't go to 30 because that's what they're paying for fucking Tyrone Mings then that shows you kind of the uh, the esteem he's held in maybe compared to the esteem that Pontus Janssen's held in where it's Brentford for five and a half how long, I don't know how long Calvin Phillips's contract is whether we can play that kind of hardball just say like if you won't sign this slightly improved contract we'll just keep you because that's another old fashioned way of doing it of just like well you paid what you paid get Ken Bates back as you wagered <laughs> you stay here for five years on that um, but that's that's a possibility or you just reach some middle ground but I just hope it never gets to the point where Phillips is upset enough about whatever the club are offering and Aston Villa are canny enough to think that maybe 25 might do it now or even find 30 million when I was saying before I have some sympathy about their FFP not if they use it to sign Calvin Michael what do you think Aston Villa should do? Fuck off. Yeah. A uh, couple who have left very quick word on these before we wrap this section up then. Malik Wilkes and Apo Helme both to Barnsley. Any surprises there at all? Mm, Wilkes maybe. A, well, both of them to an extent, because again, another centre-back when we don't have any. We let Liam Kitchen go as well. Nah, get rid of all of them. Wilkes, I think, because he had a good year last year, I think a lot of people hoped he might come back and make a bit of a, a push for the team. But then people have also pointed out he does seem extraordinarily thick, which maybe isn't <laughs> ideal if you're um, if you're going to slot into Bielsa's complicated tactical patterns. <laughs> and think, there's the whole court thing as well. Yeah, there's that too. And even just the number of players who are ahead of him now, because you've got, if he's going to play across the front three, Bamford, Roof, Roberts, Costa, Clark, Harrison, Alioski, Dallas. A lot of players, isn't it? Yeah. Another one who seems to be, according to what we've heard, is Salim Lamrani has left the club. This is a big loss. Yeah, those biceps. Will we ever look at a, a press conference in the same way again? can only assume he's had a, an offer from a more prestigious university. I think this is an, a shocking lack of ambition from Leeds Beckett. If they got him signed up, offer him like a professorship or something, give him do a dean, maybe do that thing where they give him an honorary degree and put, put a robe on him and all that shit. Where, where's that? Where's that offer? It's not just uh, Leeds United who were letting the city down, but Beckett needed to go and uh, go and get him. Yeah, he tweeted thanks for the memories. His favourite memory apparently being um, shaken like a um, a rag doll. Yeah, I was gonna say like a like um, a bin bag full of um, like valuable secretive documents and maybe an engagement ring. Yeah, <laughs> yes, but I finally stumbled on what it was like. It was like Berardi shaking a bin bag to try and find. A, a ring that was lost in the rubbish. <laughs> That's his favourite memory of Leeds. And then, yeah, it does sound like he's uh, he's not going to be with us next season. But I mean, he has he does have a life outside of football. I did find it quite odd that he managed to take all this time off from being an academic to just like hang out with Berardi and translate for Marcelo all the time. Sounds good though. It's a nice gap here. Yeah, I wonder if it'll be Corbin who takes over or if we'll get that nice guy from Chesterfield back. He was nice. The one who did the first press conference with the shiny tie. Well, Danny Welbeck, 
<laughs> any progress? Any progress on that? <laughs> that one took off more than we thought. To the point where he actually was in St. John's Centre by the looks of it. <laughs> was that confirmed or was that a random picture that someone said was in there? It's hard to know. That's that's the thing. That's the age we're in. You don't know what's real or not. I think you just you just take it and run with it and say, yep, that is definitely St. John's Centre. I mean, if you missed this, it was on last week's podcast where we idly said, let's start a rumour from all the list of free agents. Very and, openly said, this yeah. is going to be a made up rumour. This is completely bullshit. And literally it was like stabbing the pen into the piece of paper and going well back and it took on a bit of a life of its own this we, week. We should have looked up the name of the person because I think it, it all came from somebody immediately tweeted at us to say, have you heard any more about the Welbeck to Leeds story? And uh, and you replied, it was you, Dan, um, sort of keeping it going a little bit. And that's what get, got picked up on. And I don't think the websites that were actually, that saw this went so far as to actually listen to the source because they were just embedding those tweets. Yeah, because I just said, yeah, we've heard that too. That was it. And that's all it, all <laughs> that's it, all it, all it took. takes. It's frightening. It's terrifying. The world's mental, isn't it? But we'll do it again. Yeah, basically. So who are we doing? Right, so we've chalked off Danny Welbeck off the list. Who this time? Well, we're going to uh, we're going to need a defender. I've already seen uh, links to like Arsenal. Like there was a, an Arsenal player who was on loan at Charlton next season. It's like, he will be the man that Leeds United will be signing. I want to go for Micah Richards. Leeds, it seems vaguely believable that, doesn't it, with the Leeds link? Yeah, Leeds link, he's quite small for a centre-back, which Bielsa will like. He's quick. Or he was when I last saw him play 10 years ago. Um <laughs> He was quite technically good, again, when I last saw him play 10 years ago. So I think Bielsa will like that. Did he last play 10 years ago? Uh, uh, yes, yes, he did. Played for Man City 10 years ago. What about Thomas Vermaelen? Uh, Vermaelen's the one I would I would pick just for that, because uh, he's been trained the Barcelona way, so he'll get Bielsa football. Yeah. It's probably a world apart of the actual styles, but no, he'll he'll take to the, uh, the system like a duck to water. And we could maybe even paint it, we got the wrong Arsenal man. Yes, the wrong, we had the, some bad info. The wrong name was picked up, yeah. So, I, I am slightly tempted because as we were talking before, Bielsa's picks for centre-backs could be quite unusual. So Mario Balotelli to fill the Pontus Janssen, <laughs> the Pontus Janssen oh, chasm. Hey, look, Peter Crouch is available. We need some height back there. Thomas Vermaelen is married to Polly Parsons, who is British. Oh. So he'll be looking for the move back to England for family reasons. Which part of British is she from? <laughs> um... Bristol, which is not... Oh, it's near enough. I, too no, no Harvey Nichols in Bristol. Yep, yep. She's looking to get back into doing... Well, I mean, unless there is. TV <laughs> work like Fun Song Factory, uh, Genie in the House and Toonatic. Well, what's opening, in, uh, what's opening in the Senate of Leeds soon? Channel, Channel 4. 4. There we go. It all adds up. So let's pick up this one and run with it. Thomas Vermaelen, if you don't mind. Should we have him next? Thomas Vermaelen and Polly Parsons will soon be in Leeds. We have not one but two podcasts with more to follow. We've got an interview with famous football commentator John Helm in the pipeline, which you're going to hear on here. The full thing will be on the extra ball. And to gear ourselves up for that, as well as a big announcement on the extra ball this week, we're going to be delving into our favourite moments of Leeds United commentary, because you'll remember that John Helm delivered the famous line as Strachan smashed the ball into the net, looking at moments like this. Sterling... Again, it'll be towards Chapman, headed out. And now McAllister back from Strachan. Here's Strachan again! Have you ever seen a better goal? And have you ever seen one better time? And Gordon Strachan, with his 18th goal of this memorable season at Ellen Road, may well have struck the richest goal of his career. 
If you'd like to get involved and support us here on this podcast and get behind us doing loads more podcasting, check out The Extra Ball on the website, thesquareball.net forward slash The Extra Ball. $2.99 a month. Your first month is free. Exclusive player sighting. Michael, this sounds exciting. Who did you see? Mm, well, I was uh, I was uh, spending my weekends doing rock and roll things. So I was at the Pontefract Licorice Festival yesterday. Talk us through that before you tell us who you saw. Well... I don't really know why it exists particularly. It was, I mean, it's a nice thing for people to do and stuff, but it was um, years ago, Pontefract, they used to grow licorice there, stuff in town. It's, it turns out Tangfastics now. Yeah, they just um, grow Haribo, fields of Haribo around Pontefract as far as the eye can see. Exactly. But there's still a bit of, you know, a history of it and stuff there. It was the usual thing. You know, you go to these things with kids. It's just waste of fleece, you have money, really. Hooker duck rides. Pontefract was like a big sort of burning wicker man kind of... <laughs> Moscow's glazed over. Um, there was donkey rides. My kids were my kids went on a donkey. Three quid it was per child for like literally a minute on a donkey. Unbelievable. And there was a, this store was sort of called Real Donkeys as well, as if there's previously been a problem with people passing off Alsatians as donkeys or I'm, something. I'm Riding Belushki around Pontefracts. I bet he'd have done it for two quid. <laughs> Cheaper than that. <laughs> Fuck all those who do not ride the donkey. <laughs> but yeah, while while there, I saw none other than Paul Green. Admittedly repeat uh, offender near, for this at Wards. Was he near the, the donkeys? Or? <laughs> Very close proximity, actually, yeah. But as far as I'm aware, he wasn't offering rides. Was he putting in a, was it like a personal appearance? Because he's a big star around Pontefract. He is. He, he's, he does, does stand out, though, as being a very healthy looking man amongst, uh, amongst <laughs> mere mortals. Very In very good shape. I thought you were going to say in Pontefract. Anyway. Um, well, yeah, particularly there. Let's move on from that. We'll do some more of your player sightings in the in the coming weeks. We've got some games, loads of them. Hurrah. Thank God. Against some high quality opposition. That we'll lose to. When's the first one? I've lost track now. Uh, Wednesday night and then we play York on Wednesday and then the same 11 plays a full 90 minutes against Geisley on Thursday and they'll probably then have uh, one of Bielsa's murder ball training sessions on Friday. They then walk to uh, Girona. Oh no, it's in Tadcaster. <laughs> well, I've got to say, like you can definitely walk from uh, York or Geisley back to Weatherby. So I'd be uh, amazed if we don't <laughs> see Bielsa marching them down the, down A roads and B roads across the Chevin and the Vales. <laughs> Character building exercise. Yep. <laughs> well, Pontus has his feet up in Brentford. <laughs> I'll be glad when these games kick off and I think I'll be especially glad when the plane leaves for Australia with some footballers on who play for Leeds United and we can establish definitively who will be on there. Because you're not going to take, if you're selling Calvin Phillips, you're not going to pay his airfare to Australia and, and then back after two days so it's uh it's everybody who's on the plane is what i'm interested in now and then these york and geisley friendlies like last season it was absolute madness it was our introduction to the world of el loco i saw yusuke diguchi play at york um which is the highlight of the summer as far as i'm concerned but didn't have a clue what was going on yeah that defense was uh matches click was the main center half and then it was uh, ronaldo vieira and uh, Lawrence Dubok was the back three. And it's like, no idea what's going on with any of this. So I'm not expecting anything but insanity from the York and Geisley games, which is fine. And then, yeah, Australia, we've got to at least take halfway seriously. So we might see something approaching a first team there. Are you going to go to either of these, York, Geisley? I considered both, but then York was 15 quid to see Lawrence Dubok. And uh, Geisley, you could only, I think you had to go and like knock on Edith's door at like 8pm in the town centre. Is that a euphemism? 
And there were very like specific rules about who could buy tickets for that game. You had to be in, you basically had to go to Geisley during the day. And I mean, I'll follow leads all over the place, but not to Geisley. <laughs> I mean, they're just monkey friendly. Geisley with its LS postcode. And two games in a night. Uh, I mean, two games in a night. Two games in two nights. It's a little bit much. York, the York preseason games have got a nice history of being uh, random affairs with trialists playing though. And I remember going there once and we had like gaffer tape all over the shirts because we'd not got the sponsor side, but we'd not got new shirts. So it's nice. It has a nice Sunday league vibe to it sometimes. Oh my God, we're getting new shirts. By the time this comes out, we'll have new shirts and everybody will be getting upset about uh, nylon. <laughs> and we- who's wearing them? What are we thinking for the, for those? Well, right. if, if the little leaked snippet is to be believed, it's uh, all white, which is a good start. Mm. I feel like it's a good basic position to start from. And then uh, silvery grey for the sponsors. Wasn't that debunked as being a Derby shirt? No, somebody said that, but Derby have gone with Umbro this year, not Kappa. And they've got loads of black shit on the shoulders. So. Mm. And even if last season, they had, it couldn't be one from last season because they had black shorts, don't they? Could be Swansea, could be anybody, could be Leeds. Impossible to tell. It's hard because everybody is sponsored by 32 Red. Yes. <laughs> could be Preston. They might be wearing white shorts. How are Unibet this year anyway? Same company. Well, it's um, it's 32 Red on the shirts, Unibet on the training kit, also Deliveroo on the training kit, and we'll be wearing Unibet on the shirts in the Australian games because that's who they want to advertise in that market. But ah, we'll, okay. be, we'll be 32 Red on the Where are the yard bars going? I think we're replacing the player numbers and it'll just say Yarbar 1, Yarbar 2 on the back of each one. Away kit's going to be gold, isn't it, if that's the case? Buy gold. There's no need for gold. I'm just going to say I suspect the gold that will get churned out in this kit will be decidedly more handsome than the gold that Macron did on the GFH. Yeah, I mean, it can't get worse than that. Well, maybe it can. Who knows? What is what is a stage up from piss gold? What's the next? Well, it was karma gold, wasn't it? That was the the phrase that we uh, picked up on. Karma gold, which is not a bad one. I'm just a bit wary of gold kits. Might go well with denim, but I'm not convinced necessarily that they go on a football field. What are you wearing that it goes well with denim? Well, do you not remember that? The England 1996 grey-blue shirt that was specifically designed because they thought the colour went well with denim. It wasn't gold, though. No one wears gold out, did they, Barry Douglas? <laughs> There you go. Maybe they've given him a hand in uh, kit design. Do you remember um, there was the rumours that because uh, Eleonora Cellino was doing, she was studying fashion at Leeds Beckett. See, if they could get fucking Cellino's daughter, they can't get Celine Lamrani. Shocking. Whoever's running that place. And there was talk for a while that she'd been allowed to design the new Leeds kit. I think it all turned out to be absolute just nonsense from start to finish. But if Baza Douglas wants to have a go, maybe you could collaborate with her. Well, I mean, you say you don't wear gold to go out and you're right, you don't, but I don't see that many people wearing bright yellow either and that'd be a preferred away kit. But that's a football kit, that's what it should be. Yeah, remember, who, if you're wearing a football kit on a night out, man, do I say this? I might. I did once try to wear the, uh, you know, the 1989-90 Topman home shirt with the button-down collar. Once wore that under a, a black V-neck sweater. Was quite smart. <laughs> I was trying to be a fashion leader. I thought, did it work? Like, Oh, I've not seen anybody else doing it. So, true original. But now I've mentioned it on here, everyone will be doing it. Speaking of the Chilinos, we're uh, going to Cagliari. That's, that's so funny, isn't it, that they're doing that? Are they playing in Cagliari now, or are they still playing uh, hundreds of miles away as, as Chilino made them? It would actually, by the looks of it, be more convenient if they were playing hundreds of miles away, because I think people quickly realise that it's next to impossible to get to Cagliari for this match for anything less than about £1,000. So if you could just quietly intervene Trieste. yeah, and shift them to Trieste again, that might be a little bit, you can get to Trieste like Jet 2 or something. So I've, I've been, I've flown from there with uh, 
Ryanair, I think. Nice and cheap. Go. Honeymoon that. Cheap. Went to a death camp. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Actually all true. Was it uh, Dave Hockett's pre-season training camp? <laughs> Drowned in a what, river. what made you pick Trieste and a death camp? No, it wasn't. It was it was Venice and Croatia, but then flew back from Trieste because of logistics. Where did the death camp come into? It was in, there's one in um, there's one in Trieste. Just went to visit. It was interesting. I mean, people did like die there, so it's you can't make too light of it. I mean, I said we are chuckling at it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's a sort of a serious undercurrent there that it was it was it was fairly bleak. It was fairly bleak. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, and this was your honeymoon. Yeah, it was, it was the final days of it. It was kind of over by then, you know. <laughs> Resentment had kicked in. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's go back to Sardinia, shall yes, we? Rather than, yeah, Trieste, it's probably for the best. So that's funny that we're playing in front of those temporary stands that Chilino got in trouble about. It looks like quite a nice little ground from what I've seen of it now. Didn't Chilino build something monstrous miles from the pitch? Yeah, they, they were just ridiculous temporary stands up. Hey, and... it's scaffold of care. It's fine. <laughs> You're going to Pepe Le Pew again there. <laughs> it does have the air of uh, nobody else being available. So we've just gone with Calgary at the last minute and have to go to them. Although, um, yeah, I think the pitch, whether there's a, there's a question mark over how well the pitch is recovering from having the Kaiser Chiefs rioting all over it in the middle of summer. So give it a breather. But no ER friendly is always a, an odd one. Especially in the centenary season, it would have been nice maybe to have a, a decent friendly there, wouldn't it? Yeah, then again, if you're playing, like, say, Calgary were coming to us and it's like, there's only about like 10,000 people there. It's always a bit of a weird, bit of a weird game, those those last friendlies of the of the summer. And by that time as well, you just want the season to start as well. So maybe it's better that they do it out of sight. Mind you, weren't you telling me, you were telling me when I give you a lift last week, Moscow, weren't you? We used to play pre, uh, not pre-season friendlies, but friendlies in the middle of the season. When was that? All sorts of crazy shit happened. The title season is my favourite ones of those, where in uh, January, I can't remember the reasons, it was basically, we had a few weeks free and um, there was the winter break in other clubs. So we played uh, Gothenburg and Bayern Munich just in January. Why not give Steve Odge a game? At home or away? Home. They were both at Elland Road. Have I made it up or did Stefan Edberg come to the Gothenburg match? Because he was always a Leeds fan. He was a celebrity Leeds fan. He might have done. He came, he first popped up at a game away to Watford. I think he was a guest of um, Elton John. And then ended up hanging out with Leslie Silver and people because he just said, yeah, I love Leeds. The season after, after we won the title, we played uh, Nogoya Grampus 8 in the middle of the season as um, Gary Lineker's kind of farewell to these shores and his first match for his new team and we wore our our blue vomit away kit at Island Road very curious and we also had a weird tournament in November we went to Italy for I think it was the Eurosport Cup they forced us to play uh, two 45 minute matches against was it Inter, Inter Milan, Milan and, and Fiorentina, Fiorentina. Yeah. And Strachan got himself sent off for dissent and was banned from a, a match in the league, I think. Certainly, there's a hey, great, It was, I remember the outcry at the time. The the footage of him coming off the pitch, you see him putting his hand to his face and it's like um, that, that Vic Reeves and Mortimer dog and, oh no, Wilco's going to kill me. It suddenly <laughs> hits him what's happened. But um, yeah, there were very, very curious, curious times. Can you imagine now if just like in between two league matches, we just flew to Italy to just play 45 minute matches for a giggle. And then it all blew up in our faces because we're Leeds United and that's what happens. <laughs> Bielsa would just have them run it, run! The other key thing to remember about one of those games is that Imre Verardi played in midfield wearing David Batty's shirt, Verardi wearing four. That's something you don't see every day. 
Uh, we are going to be on TV, moving on to the announcements of the TV fixtures. That's good, I've always wanted to be on TV. Sadly, not in the way that you hope. I'm talking about Leeds United being on Sky TV, pulling apart our fixture list again. Would it be easier to say when we're not going to be on TV, eh? It's getting that way, isn't it, eh? Actually, given that these run all the way up till the end of September, start of October, we're only on thrice. So it feels like we would have been on more. Were we on more last season or was it the second half of the season where it went bananas? Don't forget there's uh, Salford City to throw in here as well. So there's always the, That's true. the Carabao. So we've got the Forest game is now Saturday lunchtime, which is annoying because uh, my lad, it's his birthday that weekend and I deliberately organised his party and stuff for Saturday lunchtime thinking, ah, oh, game afterwards. And look at what they've done. Won't he have another birthday next year? It was fine. My wife has gone against my wishes, though. She's getting him a Spurs shirt for his... Uh, what? I can't... What? Why? Because he's uh, declared an allegiance for Spurs. Well, why are you celebrating this little rat's birthday? Just what? fuck it off. Leave him. <laughs> leave home. <laughs> Just leave him. He's fine. Little prick. He can have his Spurs shirt and his party by himself. <laughs> See how he likes it. That's the future for him. When, when he gets to school in a Spurs shirt, you just have to sit on his own. Wearing that, nobody's going to speak to him. I'm going to carry on working on him. I've told him I'll take him to Ellen Road a bit this year. In his Spurs shirt? No. Get take Jack him Clark Spurs on shirt. the back. Teach get, him a lesson. Get Jack Clark on the back of his Spurs shirt and then just like push him out into the South Stand on his own. <laughs> He's like five, isn't he? Eight. Right. Old enough. <laughs> Nearly the same age as Jack Clark. Yeah, we're all sorting against Derby. That's no surprise, is it? Again, I don't like those Saturday lunchtime games though. Don't they kind of ruin everything? Yeah, more or less. Unless you want to get out. I mean, you can get out straight afterwards if you want. Well, you've still got like half an afternoon left. Like, what do you do with half an afternoon? You sort of half get interested in like what the other games are, like stick goals on fucking Sky or whatever it is, the updates, and then you realise you don't actually care about any football apart from Leeds United. But then two hours have gone by and you're still just sitting there thinking about your horrible defeat. And the other one's West Brom, but that's midweek, so... That's fine. I think they've moved that from a Wednesday to a Tuesday, which I'm quite, I'm happy with. We don't ever play our midweek games on a Wednesday. They're always a Tuesday. We've got so many Wednesdays lined up though. I don't know if they've just put them all on Wednesdays and then they're going to move them all to Tuesdays just to mess everybody's lives up. It's also going to bugger about with our post-match podcast reaction show, isn't it? We'll find a way. <laughs> we always find a way, baby. Uh, onto the Blasphemy Baton, which made a return to pre-season last week. This, by the way, was created as a test of God's preference in January when we took on Stoke. That was its genesis moment. Stoke's manager, Nathan Jones, he attributes his success in the game pretty much to the almighty rather than his own ability. So we wondered whether the Lord preferred Leeds or Stoke. Stoke beat us, as you know. And then the blasphemy baton went from them and changed hands only through victory by other teams. End of the season at Nottingham Forest. They uh, had their first pre-season game at Alfreton Town last week. They've played again. I mean, I can barely contain my anticipation. Where is the God Rod now? Uh, they played Dundee and they drew nil-nil. Therefore, it stays with Nottingham. And because they're friendly against Peterborough, uh, that was scheduled for this weekend, was cancelled, that means their next match is Saturday and they're off to do battle with the Greek gods. They're playing Atromitos on Saturday and then Olympiakos Piraeus next Tuesday. So by, uh, yeah, before they play Olympiakos Perez, the uh, blasphemy baton may well be in the hands of Poseidon, Zeus, Hermes, uh, maybe one of the uh, uh, goddesses, if I scroll down this website that I'm looking at, Athena, Demeter, Hera, uh, maybe even Hestia, Hestia Bastion, protecting the troops. Teich, <laughs> uh, I don't know if the uh, distant relation of Sean Teich. You're just listing gods now. I'm Stop just it. reading them off my webpage. But anyway, that's what we're up against. So it could be, uh, it could go into the hands of Atromitos and then we'll have to pick 
one of these uh, Greek gods or goddesses to, to hold, have possession of the god rod? Or do we, or do we break it into 12 pieces and give, <laughs> give them all a bit each? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's pick our heroes and villains now then on the podcast first. The Ken Bates Villainy Award. Somebody who has made things a little bit sadder for us across the last seven days. Named after Ken because he did that plenty. He also gets the first nomination. Can't win. But what has he been nominated for this week, please? For being the, the last chairman before Radrizani, of course, to almost get us promoted and then completely fuck us by selling all of our players. That is a big call. I mean, I'll hold out saying that for definite until Phillips is sold. Who else? Pontus Janssen. Oh, how easily we turn. For leaving. And for all his daft, affected things he used to do, sitting in front of a, going back out to sit there where the TV cameras can see him and stuff. Did you not, did you not like that? I did, um, I've always been, I was always in two minds about Pontus doing this showy stuff because it did always feel like he was doing it just to make himself the centre of it. I kind of hinted towards when we, spoke about this when it was just sort of bubbling under on forums and stuff last week. And I was kind of saying that like, if there was going to be a room like this about anybody, it'd be Pontus. And that's a perfect example because Pontus Janssen's one player who, if he went and did that sitting at the side of the pitch thing, is that kind of emotional character. He's a player who might do that sincerely. He might just think, you know, I'm really disappointed about the way this night's gone. I'm just going to go and sit there, look across the pitch. But he is also the player who would think, you know, the cameras are probably in here. I'm going to go and sit at the side of the pitch and make sure I get seen. And it's possible for him to do both, to think, I'm really disappointed by how this night's gone. I think I'm just going to go and sit at the side of the pitch and just and just think about things for a while. Oh, and I bet the cameras are still here, aren't they? So oh, that might be good as well. And he's just, he's kind of, he's like that, where it's, it's all a, these things can be true I know or one mean. or the other. Yeah, I, think, just, I think you're right. I think that's a fairly good assessment and a fair one at that as well. Bit of a God complex. But, you know, he's still only a young man in relative terms and who didn't at some point in their 20s wonder if they were Jesus, you know? <laughs> we all did, didn't we, at some point, did you? Not so much. Not, not like so that, much. not on TV cameras. But you know what I mean? Like kind of plays up to it and a bit of an attention seeker, maybe a bit of narcissism in there, but it doesn't make him a bad man either. And no. he was a good footballer in the main for us, which is a 
But anyway, this is about the villainy thing, so we'll just say it was a twat and I've done with it. Yeah, okay. who else are we nominating? Uh, Andrea Ratridzani. Okay. I was, was going to say Peter Janssen, his brother. Well, we've got a, we've got a list here. We've got plenty. So I'm saying Andrea Ratridzani for selling him. Okay. Okay. You're saying... Oh, well, Peter Janssen for... I uh, just don't like his Twitter profile picture. I think he looks uh, like a shifty estate agent. He was a footballer as well or before Pontus Janssen. disgraced gynecologist. He was a, <laughs> he was a professional <laughs> footballer. I don't um, believe him. I'm nominating Marcelo Bielsa. Oh, now. For not wanting Pontus. Okay. Can we broaden that to not wanting any centre-backs? Uh, no, I kind of like that about him, but if he was going to keep one, I'd, you know, Pontus was my favourite. Selling the wrong centre-back. <laughs> yeah. Best tweets I've seen already tonight. Reaction to this is none of the back Bamford in attack. <laughs> uh, Who else? Brentford. For buying him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Abba. Divorcing. Yeah, that was sad, wasn't it? Yeah, another Swedish breakup story. Who else? Uh, Sky for moving all our games again. Stop doing it. Sean Harvey for anything? Sign, uh, signing the deal with Sky? Yeah, yeah, it's his deal, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, Bars. Because they haven't sent us any free samples yet. I don't know if they uh, they somehow missed our promotion of their, their fine Quark Bars last week, but I was looking forward to getting a pile of, uh, particularly the Cloudberry fav- flavour, which is... Uh, um, if you haven't heard of or eaten a cloudberry, we would have been in for a treat. Uh, little orange berries that are a cross between a raspberry and a red currant, like superheroes. They're also known as Hyotron, Bake Apples, Notberries, Aquila or Avian, and they make the perfect Yabar core. You've just made a load of those words up, haven't you? All the better in their silky caramel coat. Yeah. And only 140 calories, so I would have loved some of that. It's your last chance, yeah, is what we're saying. The Tunnock's money is waiting for us. I will take it if you don't if you don't show up with some with some serious amounts of samples in the next week. I mean, to be fair, that they list the full ingredients, so we could have a no. crack at making them ourselves. No, fifty-one no, percent quark, nineteen percent toffee glaze. Just need some natural flavouring, some cloudberry lemon filling. No, please stop. Okay, have you got any water thickener? Anybody else? Anybody else you want to nominate? Uh, that's about it, really. Who are we going to have then? The Sweden. Did we nominate the country? Where are, where are Yarbars from? They sound kind of Swedish, but I don't think they are. Well, Quark is a, a Nordic delicacy. Yarbars themselves appear to be based in like Malaysia. So I don't know <laughs> if that gets you any nearer to an answer. Should we just give it to Pontus Janssen then? No. I want to give it to Brentford for giving Pontus a really crappy biro in his signing picture. And he's got some sort of like wedding photo in the background as well. It doesn't even look like he's signed for a football club. He's like in, he's in some like Nan's front room. They have instantly made him sad. So it's um, contributing to the misery of Leeds United fans. I kind of feel like Pontus Janssen's done that by being sold, but maybe it's Brentford for immediately making him look sad upon signing him. Yeah, they can have it. He'll have to meet uh, Ollie Watkins at training as well, which would be nice after he called him a cheat on uh, on TV that time, which was nice. Maybe it'll be, it'll be worth it just for that. That'd be good. Uh, on to the Andy Hughes Hero Awards. Uh, given to somebody who has made us feel happier, who are we going to have this time? Uh, Helder Costa, because we've just signed him, I think we can be pretty sure he'll still be a Leeds player at the start of the season. So that's something to cling to, something to be happy about. He's a boy on the uh, the rocky ocean of Leeds United transfers. And look at him sleeping beautifully as well in that photo. Oh, maybe in that case we'll nominate Bailey Peacock Farrell as well for finally being tolerable when um, Calvin Phillips filmed him asleep. Although even then he managed to be slightly objectionable where he, with his eyes closed, 
uh, not waking called Calvin the Twat. You know, Moscow, it, him. it's you, very sinister filming people when they're asleep, you know. Take it up with Calvin Phillips. I never did anything like this. You were dreaming of putting a pillow over his face though, <laughs> weren't you, while he was sleeping? Well, mind you, judging by some of the clips of him when he was at York, he looked like he was asleep in that goal. Anyway, I'm nominating for a hero for being all right when he's asleep. <laughs> Who else? This is going on Twitter rumour, but I'm going to nominate uh, David Nugent, who is rumoured to be joining us. And surely uh, the experienced head we need to replace Kimar Roof, that young upstart, never do anything in the game. So a 34-year-old who scored a couple of goals last year for Derby. Uh, I'm willing to pin him up as this year, Strachan. Are we sure this isn't one of ours? Did we mention David Nugent at some point? We've just forgotten. It's quite possible. It's a very odd rumour. Um, yeah, he's this year's Strachan stroke rush. Well, I'd like to nominate uh, Rush. last year's Strachan Stroke Rush or last week's Danny Welbeck for going shopping in the St. John's Centre just to fuel our rumour even further. No evidence whatsoever that he was in the St. John's Centre. Doesn't matter. There's a photo of him somewhere and that's good enough for me. Uh, is that everybody then or do I want to pick a winner? What's going on? Uh, Simon Grayson, back in work, back at Blackpool, back where Oyston no longer reigns. I feel like he's... Uh, it would almost be like him coming back to Leeds after Ken Bates had gone. I think he's got the second chance there he deserves, and I think it won't be long before he's striding into the Premier League with the Tangerines. Shall we pick a winner? What if I said no? We'll just move on, I guess. <laughs> I think Costa deserves it, just for, for being here. Oh, we forgot the Royal Mail for delivering our very heavy summer specials. Well done for doing your job right. We've worn out several postmen and uh, postwomen. Their careers have been shortened by the weight of those things. And thankfully, Sean Harvey, no longer a postman. Otherwise, oh. you'd have had no chance of getting those things. <laughs> Used to nick all the money out of the birthday cards I had. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should nominate, uh, we should award it to the Royal Mail and the Post Office for getting rid of Sean Harvey and for uh, improving immeasurably <laughs> in, in ways that legally we can't define. Feels a little bit left field for my liking. I want to give it to Costa for being pretty when he sleeps. But not Bailey Peacock Farrell. When you say I have a problem with him, I'll give it to both of them for being pretty when they sleep together. Yeah. I was right. Sleeping Beauties. Sleeping Beauties of Thorpe Arch. There we go. As we just touched on there with the summer special, that is now sold out, the physical copy anyway. We're just going to have a quick uh, final stock check. We might have a few left over. Just want to make sure we've got enough back to fulfil any orders and whatnot and missing ones. Keep an eye out for the digital copy and subscriptions for the new season are now on sale via our website. You can get either the paper version delivered to your door or 12 quid a year for the digital version and you can look at 10 years, 10 whole years of fanzines on the website Find the extra ball there as well if you want to get behind us here and support us on this podcast, uh, our secondary podcast that works in all the big podcast players, helps to support us, Two ninety nine a month. First month is free. Everything you need, all our stuff is at thesquareball.net. We'll have some games to talk about then next time out, which is all very, very exciting. And let's just quickly, as we sign off, test the temperature of where we all are. Moscow, are we still going up as effing champions? Yes, but it's going to be a worrisome ride. I agree with you, Michael. Now we fucked it. We'll speak to you next time. See you then. The Square Ball Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.